right, anyway, we go hour number two of our radio program. That's right. It is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Winkler Wednesdays will, with uh, Bart Winkler going to debut 40 minutes from now. We'll get into a little Hall of Fame conversation with Major League Baseball in just a second. But real quickly, a uh, few NFL notes. Debo Samuel not practicing today because of the shoulder injury. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did reveal to reporters and his status for the Ch- NFC championship game up against the Detroit Lions is unknown. Uh, I know that Kyle Shanahan said earlier in the week that he was 50-50. I don't give a rat's ass if Debo Samuel is not practicing this entire week. I got to think that he's going to give it a go on Sunday. Now, they should still be able to beat the Detroit Lions without Debo Samuel. Debo, though, you can make the case as the second most important player on the San Francisco 49ers, at least on their offense, maybe the entire team. I think McCaffrey is one, and then I would say Debo Samuel is two, and Trent Williams would be three, at least just looking at the offense, and we talked about that yesterday. And the only time that the 49ers, for a big chunk of the season, looked human this year was when Debo Samuel was out. Now, last week... At first, we thought it was a concussion. Then he got back on the field. Then it was a shoulder injury, and he came out of that second half. And I forget who the sideline reporter was, but they were like, oh, we're unsure if he's going to return to the game or not. And then immediately, Fox shows a video of Debo Samuel casually walking out of the locker room onto the field, and he was in a sweatshirt with no helmet (laughs) And no shoulder pads. And it was like, uh, okay, I don't think he's going to play. I don't need insider information. I don't need uh, sources to tell me that when a guy comes out of the locker room to start the second half and he's in sweatpants, a sweatshirt, no shoulder pads, and no helmet, it's pretty obvious that his status, he was going to be ruled out. And then shortly after that, that was what did transpire. But that is something to monitor. I would still believe that Debo is going to play. I'll be shocked if he doesn't at least give it a go. But how effective will he be is going to be a major storyline for the 49ers as they head into their home NFC Championship game up against Detroit. Uh, According to Jeff Darlington, Mike Vrabel has met with Falcons owner Arthur Blank at Blank's home. Um, Actually, that's going to occur later today in Atlanta. And then after that, he will fly to Carolina tonight to meet with the Panthers on Thursday. That's actually like the first candidate, first serious candidate that the Panthers are going to have that would resonate a response of like, yeah, that'd be a good hire. And yeah, that would be a big time hire. Now, I don't believe that Tepper and Vrabel would mesh well. I think Tepper's going to have to do really what he did for the GM spot. I'm not saying promote from within, but get someone that was not on a lot of other people's radar. Because there is a bad, bad, bad reputation around the league with David Tepper. The one good thing, though, that David Tepper has is he's the richest owner in the NFL. So he could throw a lot more cash at someone, and that could maybe turn a no into a yes. Uh, But the Falcons, it's weird. Like, let's go around the room right now. Everyone thought that Belichick was going to land with the Atlanta Falcons. I will still say that Belichick winds up in Atlanta. But if Belichick doesn't get the Falcons job, whether that's him not wanting the job or others in the organization saying Bill does things such his way that even though Arthur Blank wants him, 
Others are then going to fear for their job and tell Arthur Blank, maybe you shouldn't do this. And maybe Blank has a soft spot for the others in the organization and trust the others in the organization. But it is weird that we are now sitting here on Wednesday. And this seemed like a foregone conclusion last week that Belichick was going to get the Falcons job. And here we are not even having an announcement on who's going to get the job. But the Belichick thing, I guess you could say starting to lose some steam and some momentum, which is how it's being talked about. Now, he could still go get the job. But now they are still talking to other candidates where there's been reports out there and I know they've been conflicting about Jim Harbaugh. And now we know that he's meeting today the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Blank with Mike Vrabel. So let's go around the room, do a little yes or no, and you can have an explanation. I'll start with uh, Stu. Do you think that Bill Belichick's going to be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? If you asked me this a few days ago, I would have said 100%. Now I think it's more down to like 15%. They, wow. They've interviewed so many candidates, and it's just taken so long. Where if you're interviewing a guy like Belichick... He's really it, interviewing you. Yeah, and it's going to be something that's done one interview. Maybe you have a second interview with his family, whatever, whatnot. But the fact it's taken this long, I think there's something else to it. I don't think he ends up there. I can't see Bill really bringing his family to these <laughs> interviews. So first, he just had a breakup. But then, like, who are you going to bring? His sons? Who who may be a part of the coaching staff anyway? Up and coming or, coaches. Or getting offers to go join uh, Gerard Mayo's uh, coaching staff. I, can't, I would love to be a fly on the wall for the Belichick interview. I, I just I can't even begin to process what the Belichick interview is like. So you were at a hundred percent last week, and now you're down to fifteen percent. Yes. Wow. Samter, what say you on Belichick to Atlanta to the ATL? What's the tell? It never felt like the right fit for me. So while everyone was fawning over Belichick to the Falcons, I was saying like that just feels weird. It feels like Jerry Rice in a Seahawks uniform. It mm-hmm. feels like Emmett Smith in a Cardinals uniform. Yeah. It just didn't ever make sense to me. I guess I you know, I've seen the reports that he doesn't want to be in like a major, major market like New York or Boston or LA. So I get that side of it that Atlanta is big enough, but it's not so big that maybe he can kind of you know, handle the media a little bit differently than being in a place like Boston or well, New York, Was the media LA? ever a problem in Boston with Belichick? He just, Belichick doesn't give you anything. I think over, over the course of years, uh, Belichick kind of trained the media in a certain way, but I mean... Well, yeah, they were afraid to ask questions because right, they knew if they like, asked a legit question, they get newspaper. yelled at. Yeah, but there's 20 different newspapers and yeah. two big sports stations. It's football. Wherever Belichick TV. goes, he's going to get covered. For sure, but I think Unless I think it's in the Atlanta, Chargers, the Chargers like that one team that for some reason they just don't right. get the coverage. But I think in Atlanta, you got like one or two newspapers, you got like one big you know sports station down there. You probably have like one big TV star down okay. there. But for yeah. the most part, it's you're not getting the, you're not getting the same type of coverage in Atlanta. But it just it doesn't feel like the right fit. Like I understand that there's talent on the Falcons, and he just needs to get a quarterback. But like just needs to get the quarterback. It's kind of a big deal. Like, that's the one thing that you kind of want to mm-hmm. have in place. And the Falcons, just it doesn't feel like Bill Belichick. Bill well, Belichick feels like commanders, chargers, like a, a franchise. It's not going to be the commanders. No, I, he's not going to go there. It could be the chargers. Like, like, let's say if Possibly. Harbaugh, let's say Harbaugh doesn't go to the chargers. Mm-hmm. Let's say he takes the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Let's say he goes back to Michigan, which I don't think is going to happen. Bill wants to coach next year. That has been made abundantly clear. Right. And no one else, to our knowledge yet, has had interest in Bill Belichick. The only one we know he's talking to, maybe it's hush-hush because Belichick does things secretive, 
is Atlanta. I just wonder, was Atlanta's Belichick stream first? Or was it Arthur Blank streams first? Because it, I would think it's more Arthur Blank approach Belichick before Belichick approach Arthur Blank because this got out there. There's a reason this got out there. A lot of times with Belichick, he you can't crack him and he operates in a secret way. And I would imagine the only cold feet at this point would be others in the organization saying, my job's not safe if Belichick comes here. Like, I may be there for a year, but then a year from now, Belichick is going to get everything that he wants because when you bring in a coach of the status of Bill Belichick, you are handing over your organization to Bill Belichick. And you're going to, like, the only way to allow Bill to cook is to let Bill do whatever he wants. But I do think Atlanta's a good fit for a multitude of reasons. They have talent with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, uh, Ryan Nielsen. I know he just signed on with the Jaguars as defensive coordinator, but he did a good job with that young up-and-coming defense, especially uh, in the secondary with how many secondary players Bill did produce in New England that were only really great in his system in New England. If the goal, and I think the goal for Bill, and this is what Bill is not about, the goal for Bill, I think, at this point of his career is to just go to a place that gets him the win record as soon as possible. And he's not that far away from the Don Shula win record. You know, you're under 20 wins away. And for Bill, it used to be about Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I don't think he's looking at the Falcons as a team that he's going to win a Super Bowl. I think he looks at the Falcons as a team that I could go win the NFC South next year. I could go win nine or 10 games next year. And I could just bring back winning. Like, but there's many ways you define winning. I think with Bill, we usually think of it as a Super Bowl, but there are other ways that you could define winning. That's actually really interesting. I haven't really heard that before, that Belichick's focus may not be on winning titles anymore. It might just be on getting the record quickly and then getting out. Yeah. And if that's the case... He's a history guy. That's what Bill's all about, the history. Like, does anyone... It's weird. Every other sport, like baseball, we care about the records. Baseball's the one sport where you really care about the records. There's so many different records in football. Like, you do one in the regular season, then it's the combine of the postseason as well. Does anyone seriously care nationally? Like, will anyone look at Belichick differently if he gets this record or not? If he's two or one with the most wins in the history of the NFL? Like, I don't. But that's important to Bill because Bill is a, a history nerd. Like, this is a guy that will give you a 20-minute answer on the history of long snappers. He was great on TV when he was with Rich Eisen doing... Uh, the top 100 list and breaking down the greatest players to ever play the game. So I think that matters to Bill, and Bill's different, and that's what makes him one of one. By the way, when talking about Belichick, I'm actually in a fight with our boss's father right now on social media over Bill Belichick. Spike asking our boss for, I don't know, the next few months because he's uh, taking a great job at Sports Radio 94 WIP. He's going to be the afternoon host along with our guys, uh, Ike Reese and Jack Fritz. Uh, Spike's father is a legend, uh, legendary radio guy. I'm actually friendly, friendly-ish, you know, for what this is in the business with Howard, and Howard's been extremely kind to me, but I know Howard absolutely hates the Patriots, and Howard is extremely biased. Like, and once Howard, and Spike fights with his father all the time when it comes to sports, but once Howard says something, you could argue logic, and it doesn't matter what you argue, it's wrong to Howard because it's not his opinion. Like, Howard would be a great politician because he just spews his stuff, but he doesn't listen to the other side of this. So uh, Angelo Cataldi, who I love and is a a mentor, 
Um, Angela Cataldi once told me that if Andy Reid got a colonoscopy, you would see Howard Eskin in there <laughs> because of how much that Howard has sucked up to Andy Reid throughout the years. So Howard puts out this tweet the other day that his top five coaches of all time are Don Shula, Tom Landry, Vince Lombardi, Bill Walsh, and Andy Reid. He did not put Bill Belichick in there, and he said Bill Belichick, his words, not, not mine, is an overrated coach, and there's, he's nowhere close to being the greatest coach of all time. So Howard and I ended up getting into a conversation just directly, because I don't care about like the other guys, right? I'm not saying that those other guys aren't great coaches. They all are. But in the same era of Bill and Andy Reid, I just think it's absurd to say that Andy Reid's a better coach all time than Bill Belichick. And all I wrote to, to Howard was, Howard, find me the playoff games where Andy Reid defeated Belichick. Andy is 0-3 in the playoffs against Bill. Also, we all know if Belichick was the coach of the Eagles, you would instantly do a 180 and start to love him because that's where it was the uh, the part of this. Howard is the, the impetus of this. Howard is a sideline reporter for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he doesn't want the Eagles to move on from Nick Sirianni and hire Bill Belichick, and the Eagles aren't moving on from Nick Sirianni. So to that uh, post that I had, Howard responds, Belichick was found to have cheated that year when he beat Andy Reid in the Super Bowl and as I pointed out, he had Tom Brady. No Tom Brady, Belichick is a zero, case closed. And then all I said was, did Andy beat Bill when he had Mahomes in the playoffs and was at home? Also, are we talking about the same Tom Brady who you once, Howard, refused to say was the greatest QB of all time in a training camp conversation that I had with me, you, Peter King, and Merrill Reese? That Tom Brady? So I'll give you one more response here from Howard because he does entertain me. He then goes back, and this is how low it gets for Howard. Bill Belichick really shouldn't have won six Super Bowls. Cheated him one. Pete Carroll, head coach of Seattle, and Kyle Shanahan, the OC in Atlanta, which he called him the IC, he meant OC. Uh, but that's an old guy uh, not being able to hit the right button on the phone. He made terrible play calls to give the Patriots two other wins and win in playoff with Tuck Rule that led to the Super Bowl win. That's four bogus Super Bowls. Tom Brady, not the best ever, but damn good. And without him, Belichick is a losing head coach. He is so overrated, not even a debate. So I said, you know what? I had a drink last night. I had a spicy margarita. I was, uh, you know, enjoying myself. I didn't even see this tweet until eight hours later. I go, I'm going to send out a late night tweet to Howard Eskin. And I wrote, as silly as your last post is, I'll play your game. So if Shanahan didn't blow a 10-point lead with seven and a half to play, Andy doesn't beat the 49ers. If Sirianni doesn't blow a 10-point second-half lead, Andy doesn't beat Philly. If Andy doesn't have Mahomes, he never wins a Super Bowl. It is just amazing to me. As it's funny, every time I say Sirianni, my phone Siri goes off. As I just realized it was transcribing everything I just said into the phone, which was a lot. So I apologize to you, Siri. But it's amazing how in some people's mind, they just can't acknowledge how great Tom Brady and Bill Belichick was. And the reason why they can't it's because out of pure hatred and jealousy because of how much that they won. So I love Howard Eskin. But the fact that I'm in a Twitter beef with him now over this is just flat out ridiculous. And I'm sure Howard wouldn't agree with my next point, which Alex Rodriguez belongs in the Hall of Fame. Manny Ramirez belongs in the Hall of Fame. Gary Sheffield belongs in the Hall of Fame. And I saw the results yesterday from Cooperstown. It doesn't shock me that Adrian Beltre gets in, Joe Maurer gets in, Todd Helton gets in. But I can't stand the Baseball Writers Association of America, and here's why. They're selective. 
and they're selective in terms of which steroid guys they allow in, and they only allow in the guys that were nice to them, that did a good interview with them, and they like them. Like David Ortiz, there's allegations. Uh, Mike Piazza, I love Mike Piazza. There's been allegations. It's funny, a guy like John Heyman, right, our buddy John Heyman, uh, or Mr. Arson Judge, that's how I'll always remember him, where Twitter has just done a disservice to his career because he gets so many things wrong on Twitter, but he happens to be a good writer. He just is terrible with Twitter. So John Heyman, he never voted for Mike Piazza. Or like the first three or four times Piazza, he didn't vote for him. The first time Yvonne Rodriguez Pudge was on the ballot, he voted for him. What's the difference? Like, Pudge was once asked, did you do steroids? His legit answer was, only God knows the answer to that. But you had no problem overlooking Pudge, but you had a problem going after Piazza. And now Bonds and Clemens aren't on the ballot. And I think Roger Clemens is one of the biggest jerks ever. I can't stand him. the least favorite baseball player of all time. But because he wasn't nice to the media or Barry Bonds wasn't nice to the media, now you're not going to put those guys in the Hall of Fame. And you put Ortiz in the Hall of Fame, but we can't put A-Rod in the Hall of Fame. And Manny Ramirez is one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen. I know he failed multiple tests. And, right, Gary Sheffield, the whole cream thing and all that, and I don't know what's true or what's not. He's 500 home runs. My biggest point with the Hall of Fame is you either put all the steroid guys in with allegations or none of them. And I even go as far, I know people don't like that I say Rafael Palmeiro should be a Hall of Famer. Mark McGuire should be a Hall of Famer. People don't like that because they know that they cheated. Here's the bottom line, though. Major League Baseball allowed it. And it was good for Major League Baseball. Those numbers were so prodigious. Why do you think they didn't try to stop it earlier? Because it was good for the game. So the numbers, even though you could look at them sideways and say they have an asterisk on them, that's fine. But Major League Baseball allowed it. And you put managers that knew what was going on in the hall. Bud Selig right in the hall, the commissioner of Major League Baseball at the time. So all those guys get to go in, and some of the guys that were accused of doing steroids, whether they did or not, we don't know, they get in, but then some other guys don't because what, they didn't do an interview with you? Or you didn't like the way that they conducted themselves with their roid rage in the clubhouse? Like, give me a break. Seriously. I am pro put the guys that did steroids in the Hall of Fame because the Hall of Fame is to honor the greatest baseball players to ever play. You could be a cheater, and you could still be one of the greatest baseball players to ever play. You have to acknowledge that greatness, and don't Put them in an exhibit in the hall. But then when you get into the plaque room in the Hall of Fame, oh, uh, yeah, we're not going to allow those guys in. Like, Cooperstown has become a sham. It really has. I, I hate to say it, but but it has. And, you know, a guy like Kurt Schilling, who, don't get me wrong, I do. I told Kurt Schilling this to his face. I used to put Kurt Schilling on the air for years. I do not agree with what he says about politics. All right? But a guy like Kurt Schilling clearly isn't getting into the Hall of Fame because of some of the stupid stuff he says. Guy was a a phenomenal regular season pitcher. He's an all-time great postseason pitcher. And that doesn't have to do with steroids. But it just shows you the Hall of Fame, the writers, whether if a player was nice or not to them, holds that either in their favor or against them when determining who are the greatest baseball players of all time. It is Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. The debut of Winkler Wednesdays coming your way 15 minutes from now on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. But first, the news brief. 
Let's start with Lamar Jackson on facing Patrick Mahomes this weekend in the AFC title game. I don't like competing against him at all. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a great quarterback. Um, definitely a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's not even a, it's a no-brainer. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, but he's it, just, I believe it's just two, two, two greats, um, up-and-coming greats, just going toe-to-toe, you know, like a heavyweight fight, heavyweight matchup. That's, that's just what I see. So Nick Wright does this, like, bit on FS1, which I actually think it's a good bit. And it's a segment. I, I shouldn't say bit because a bit has like a negative uh, connotation as if like he doesn't really believe what he's saying. But it's a, uh, a segment where it's called Mahomes Mountain. And it's who's kind of like reaching to the top of that mountain to eventually kick off Patrick Mahomes. Where everyone still knows regardless of what happens this weekend or in two weekends from now, he's still the best quarterback in football. But it is cool to see the contestants that have been there at least in the AFC, trying to prevent Patrick Mahomes from going back to a Super Bowl and winning another Super Bowl. And there have been players in the regular season to take down Mahomes, right? We saw Lamar Jackson a few years back take down Mahomes in the regular season. We've seen Josh Allen in the regular season take down Patrick Mahomes. But the only guy that's had success in the AFC in both the regular season and the postseason has been Joe Burrow. And you look at the future, the AFC is loaded with quarterback talent. Whether it is Josh Allen, who has failed multiple times now in the postseason to get the job done up against the Chiefs. Uh, Whether it is uh, a guy like Justin Herbert, C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. We'll see if Trevor Lawrence can get his damn act together. You know, Deshaun Watson coming back off an injury and a lot of years of being away from the game. You know, Tuatunga Vailoa, if you want to throw him in there. There's a pool of guys. But really, in the AFC, the only three guys that I think you look at that say can do it are Burrow, who has done it. And then the other two are Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, who have only had success in the regular season up against Lamar. And I know Josh Allen, a few years back, put them in position to win the game. The defense and special teams messed up the game. But I'm talking about just success to win the game or not. And I do think that's good for football when you have a bunch of guys that are trying to prevent the guy, the king, from getting back to the Super Bowl. Like when Brady played, well, Brady played for a long time, but you had different runs at guys, whether it was Peyton Manning, um, whether it was a guy like Phillip Rivers who never won up against Brady. Like there was a, you know, Big Ben never won up against Brady in the postseason. There was a, you know, Mahomes at the end did not win in the postseason up against Brady. There was a big list of of people. Joe Flacco, ironically, had like some of the most success up against Tom Brady. They try to tug at Superman's cape. Well, you never take the cape for multiple years, but you just got to take it for one year from preventing him to win it each and every year. So that's what makes this matchup so fun is now it's a new installment and we finally get to see Lamar up against Mahomes in the postseason. Here is uh, Jason Kelsey. I watched the entirety of this episode this morning on the New Heights uh, podcast. Jason Kelsey going shirtless in the stands in Buffalo. I'm not going to lie. I gave Kylie a heads up. The moment we got into the suite, I said, I'm taking my shirt off and I'm jumping out of that suite. And she said, Jason, don't you dare. I was like, hey, it's letting you know what's happening. I'm not asking for permission. I'm doing this. Once a Kelsey man's determined, there's no stopping him. And she was already telling me to be on my best behavior because we were meeting Taylor. This is hilarious. I was like, Kylie, when I met you, the first day I met you, I was blacked out drunk and fell asleep at the bar. This is part of the charm. This is part of the Jason Kelsey charm. 
I want to make my best first impression. This is my best chance. My best first impression is the worst impression ever. So I, I, I could just build Set from that, that point nice on. Yeah, exactly. It does seem like there is a genuine love that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey have from one another. At least from what we could see. When this first started, I think a lot of people thought this was a gimmick and it was a publicity stunt, right? Taylor getting into the NFL circle, obviously for Travis Kelsey, who was already a star, now becoming a mega star. So I'll go to one person and one person only here. And that is our Swifty expert in Stuart Kovacs, who he doesn't just go with his girlfriend to Taylor Swift because he loves his girlfriend. He goes because he also loves Taylor Swift. So Stu, do you think we will eventually have wedding bells? Do you think there will be an engagement down the road where you will have Travis Kelsey getting down on one knee and asking Taylor Swift to marry him? I do. I'm kind of like you. It does feel kind of genuine at this point. So, yeah, I do think that is something not in the very near future, like months, but maybe it's in the next year or two. uh, We'll get something like that. Yeah, I'm not saying that's imminent in terms of them getting married or in terms of them getting engaged. But I do think... And maybe I'll end up being wrong on this, but I do think that you will eventually see, I don't know how long the relationship's going to, or marriage is going to last. I hope it, it would last longer than Chris Humphreys and Kim Kardashian. But I do think that you will one day see Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey get engaged. Here is Draymond Green on the Draymond Green show via the volume when Kevin Durant last week was trying to put himself in the GOAT conversation and asking why he wasn't. This is how Draymond responded to it. Katie, he said, because I went to the Warriors. He's speaking on the GOAT conversation. Why is he not in the GOAT conversation? I think Katie is one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. The way Katie scored the ball is so effortless. He's never seen a bad shot. Obviously, I'm not one that's going to be like, Katie's championships aren't real. Stop it. There's no championship that's not real. Steph didn't get the credit that Steph gets today until 2022 when he led this team to a championship and won the finals MVP. When all else was failing, Steph said, all right, fellas, come on, let's go there, period. You got to go do what Steph did to get to that conversation. Draymond's actually 100% spot on. And the thing that I was disappointed about with Kevin Durant is he embraced being the villain, and then he let the backlash from being the villain allow him to be sensitive. He should have just stayed in Golden State and gave the middle finger to everybody and kept on winning championships and eventually people would just have to praise what he did. Whether you like what KD did or not in terms of going to Golden State, everywhere else though, he's been an incredible player, but he blew a 3-1 lead um, with OKC. Then you look at Brooklyn, that was a disaster because he couldn't be honest with his friend Kyrie Irving. And so far with Phoenix, I you know I'm not going to say that it's it's worked but but i i can't uh go out there and say that's a failure right now but it has been disappointing so far and we'll see what happens this year but i don't think it's going to lead to a championship and the damaging part and the damning part for uh for kevin durant is the charles barkley comment the bus driver and the bus rider and charles barkley's been spot on with that um you know the passenger and then the and, and the bus driver comment that charles barkley made here is nick sirianni on what his role is going to be this year with the team. The Eagles are going to hire a new defensive coordinator. They just got rid of their offensive coordinator. There's been some reports with the Dolphins mutually parting ways that uh, you could have with Vic Fangio, that Vic Fangio, who was a consultant in 2022 with the Eagles, could wind back up as the D.C. in Philly. But here is Sirianni on his role with the team moving forward. The offensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the offense, and the defensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the defense. What is your role going to be? The head coach. You know, the football what, what does team. that entail? How, how does it change? 
Yeah, I guess it'd be this very similar to what's going on right now. My job is to be the head coach of the team, not the head coach of the offense, not the head coach of the defense, not the head coach of the special teams, but be the, be the head coach of the football team. And so that's building the culture, that's making sure the culture's working You know, with our five core values, having a relationship with the guys on the football team, because I know when, when I have that connection with the guys on the football team, that's when the culture is working at high level. Well, your culture sucked last year. So your culture sucked last year, and now you're getting rid of the offensive coordinator who called the plays. You're getting, or you got rid of the defensive coordinator as well. I think it's a fair question. What the heck do you do? And if you can't even keep peace in the locker room, then you shouldn't be the head coach, especially with the really good options and the plethora of good options that are out there. And finally, here is Howie Roseman on why the Eagles are keeping Nick Sirianni. The important thing for us to look at is before the stretch, which was a you know a difficult stretch, you know not diminishing the one and six stretch at the end. We we're 26 and five over the last 31 games. I mean that's four times the amount of games that we played over this stretch. That is hard to do in the National Football League. That is hard to find um, a head coach in this league who has that record of success. Um, I think we were 33 and 11 up until that point um, with Nick. Um, we made the playoffs three straight years. Again, not okay finishing one and six. So I'm not sitting up here saying that, but it is hard to find somebody who can do those sort of things. I don't root for Nick Sirianni to get fired. I do think he should be fired. Um, But I kind of do hope that the NFL schedule makers give him a tough first four weeks just to see how he's going to handle that. And then you'll learn a lot about Nick Sirianni because that's going to be the coach. I don't know if there will be a hotter seat entering next year than Nick Sirianni with the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, that's a news brief. This is Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio, the debut of Winkler Wednesdays when we return in five minutes. But update time first. Here is the act man, Rich Ackerman. It's a battle for CBS Sports Radio. Sack. Lethargic, putrid, pathetic. Quitters. They're quitters. What a joke. Bart. Something fun to talk about. That's that's what we do here. It's like, hey, guys, it's like we're just hanging out at a bar talking sports. It's time for Winkler Wednesday. Only on the Zach Gelb Show. All righty, rocking and rolling. I guess with that intro, Samter sets a tone that he basically wants Bart and yours truly to just be a bunch of zoo animals and perform for him and just fight, fight to the death each and every Wednesday on CBS Sports Radio with Winkler Wednesdays. And you could watch on youtube.com slash CBS Sports Radio where we stream the show. And Bart just let out a very intimidating, like, growl. He had, like, a little look to him. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm ready for this each and every Wednesday. Bart, my friend. Uh, Bart Winkler, the host of the Bart Winkler Show, which you can listen to Monday through Fridays here on CBS Sports Radio. Many of the same CBS Sports Radio affiliates from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. How are things going? I want to look out for your mental health first and foremost. Are you surviving working so far with David Shepard? Everything good with you? Oh, Shep's been great. Um, You can stop lying. No, no, no. He's been great. (laughs) I'm still getting used to some of these people that call at 1 in the morning. Um, But they are... uh, they are they are sports fans, and I'm happy to I'm happy to meet them. And it's no, it's been fun. It's been a fun couple of weeks. There's been a lot to talk about. Last night was a fun kind of adventure in trying to figure out what CNN Sports was, yeah, and if Doc Rivers was actually hired or not for my beloved Bucks. So it's 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 fun, man. It's it's fun. We'll get to the Bucks in just a second, but you have a very loyal following, and and I've uh, come to know a lot of your loyal following just interacting throughout the years. 
Uh, there's this guy with like four names, uh, so I don't even know how to pronounce his his Twitter name handle. In parentheses, it says Big D. Uh, he chimed in to me on Twitter. He said, yo, man, listening on the road in beautiful Wisconsin, heard you were putting Winkler on every Wednesday. Should sh- uh, throw some bleep around about the bart meter and let him know it needs some fine-tuning. I almost just cursed my own radio show. Uh, also, Green Bay local radio debut of new Joe Barry uh, tune uh, thumbs up. What is the Bardo meter? And did the first Bardo meter become a disaster, like what Big D was saying? No, the, the Bardo meter, because everybody does like rankings in sports radio, yeah. which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. It's it's a great way to talk about topics subjectively and in an order. But I don't want to do that. So I put it up to the Bardo meter which is a device I have that I input what I want it to tell us. And then it tells us the results. So last week we debuted it and the Bardo meter was trying to tell us who were the most pressure coming into the divisional round. Uh-huh. And a lot of people called and said, it's the Niners. And a lot of people called and said it was the Ravens. And I personally, uh, I mean, I saw those arguments and agree with it. But the Bardo meter, and this was on Thursday nights, okay? The Bardo meter said it was the Bills. Wow. And people were calling and being mad at the Bardo meter. And I said, guys, I'm just telling you what it says. And people didn't understand. And now as we see the Bills lost, I think there was a lot of pressure on the Bills. They lost. There's a lot of questions about their future. There's a lot of questions about how they're going to keep getting back to this point. There's a lot of questions about is Josh Allen's legacy just losing to the Chiefs? So, that's what the Bartometer is. Um, I, I think it's a success, and it'll get another spin tomorrow. And you, you do this every Thursday, you said? Well, I've done it one time, but okay. I plan to do it a second time, mm-hmm. and then hopefully every Thursday from there on. I, I think the Bartometer has some pretty just interesting ears because I will say Thursday last week, the lead of our show was why Josh Allen has the most pressure on him entering divisional round weekend. And then there hmm. was people like, I don't know, Michael Samter may be a name who was trying to say that it was the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm just wondering, like, if I took a test next to the Bartometer, would it maybe have some wandering eyes trying to look onto my paper? No, but I will tell you that the Bartometer concept <laughs> was developed on your show. Was it really? I filled in for you last Wednesday. Wow. So I did technically steal. Well, who gave you that idea? Because uh, Stu hasn't given me a good idea since I started the show, and neither has Samter. So who gave you the idea? We stole from your show, but we stole, I stole from me, but also from your show. Gotcha. Did you come up with it, or was it Samter? I think it was a group effort. I'll give those guys credit. (laughs) It started out as the playoff pressure meter and turned into Bart's barometer, which now it turned into the Bartometer. So it's seen three different iterations. Oh, you're a fraud. Hey, you give Bart, and I love Bart. No one at this company loves Bart more than me. But you give Bart, as my producer, this great idea, and I don't get this. I'm gone one day. I finally get sick. I'm out one GD day, and you give Bart an idea. Change your name to Bart, and then you can have it. Uh, the, the Gelbo meter? The Zacco meter? The Zack attack meter? I don't know, Bart. Well, also, also is... I would offer I you a trade, Samter, Samter for 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 Shep, but I would need some cash considerations coming on back. To no, me. no, no, because I also I came into your show guesting last week 
with ideas. Ah, I don't know if you just sit down and no expect these guys to <laughs> no. give you the outline. Or Trust what. me, I I come in with many, many, many ideas, many ideas. Bart Winkler here All with right. us, Winkler Wednesdays. So the initial reaction yesterday, before we get to the Doc Rivers stuff. Adrian Griffin fired after getting off to a 30-13 and 13 start with your Milwaukee Bucks. You got Bucks loss. Your initial reaction was what? I was actually surprised. Um, and I was, to be honest with you, I was a little upset just because there were a lot of Bucks fans that wanted this from, like, the second week of the season mm-hmm. where they just saw, hey, this isn't going to work. This is a problem. And I said, this is way too early to talk about firing a rookie head coach. Um, and I still think it was too early. So I think I, I will spin it to say I was right about that. But also the, the Bucks fans that saw problems saw real problems. And their record is good. But if you watch this team, there does seem to be some disconnect between players and coach. And I think what happened was Adrian Griffin got put in a spot where, you know, for a guy who's been kind of chasing this goal for a while, this dream, this was not a great first opportunity for him because the Bucs are a championship, like they're a championship contender. Championship and or I don't know that hiring, yeah, I don't know that hiring a rookie head coach was the right move. I think what the Bucs saw last year was they need a change. And so what do we do? We're not getting rid of Giannis. We're not getting rid of Chris. We're not getting rid of Drew. We want this core. We got to change our coach. And then a couple months later, it's like, oh, wait a minute. We can get Damian Lillard. And so if that would have happened in like June, maybe Mike Budenholzer is still the coach and they just like that would have been the change they needed. So they get Griff here. It's not working. Apparently Doc Rivers has been like, you know, backstabbing around the shoulder for the last few months and they make the change. So you feel bad for Adrian Griffin, but the guy came in. I think the players gave him a chance, but then quickly said, this isn't the guy for us. And I think this puts a lot of pressure on like, if, if the Bucs didn't win a championship this year, let's say that's the goal, yeah. which I think it is. If they didn't win a championship this year, the blame is all on Adrian Griffin. But now since he's fired, the, I don't even think the blame would go on Doc. I think the blame goes on Giannis, Dame, Middleton. Like, you guys wanted this. So the blame now goes on them instead of the coach. So this is a players-driven league, and I'm not saying that all coaches should get a pass. And clearly there was something up with Griffin from the start with the whole Terry Stotts fallout. And clearly he couldn't connect with Giannis and Dame. This is all on Giannis now. They don't make this decision without Giannis's approval. I was also reading something else that they wanted Nick Nurse. And then Giannis didn't want Nick Nurse, who would have been a good hire um, as well. An experienced coach that won a championship. And I, I don't know right now. Like Giannis is a player that a two-time MVP. You know me. I love Giannis. He's already a champion. But it's now about adding to your legacy to become one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And when you look at pressure with getting rid of Griffin, there's not many uh, players that are more under pressure the rest of the season than Giannis, because this is directly on Giannis the rest of the way, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and the Bucs, I don't think, would change anything because they hired the coach that he wanted, and then they got him to sign an extension. And you got to so, do what Giannis I mean, wants. Yeah, you 100% have right, to. Right, but that that's that John Horst, the GM, Really, his whole job for the last eight years has been keep Giannis here. Mm. Win a title if you can, but keep Giannis here because that will give you the most opportunity. Now that they won a title, they've had a couple of years where they've fallen short and they want to win a title again. I think what they might have realized is this year cannot be a year where they don't win. You you get Damian Lillard here, you think, okay, 
realistically, when will you win a championship? One in the next three years would be good. Maybe they're watching this and saying, I don't know if we have that much time. We can't afford to waste a year. If we've got these two guys here, we've got to win now because we don't know what the future holds. And I'll make a prediction right now. You know the Bucks are winning it all this year. You predicted it a few years ago where you lined up the chairs when they were down 0-2 to the Suns and you ended up being right. Everyone is killing this Doc Rivers hire. And don't get me wrong. I don't think Doc Rivers is a good hire in the year of 2024. But when everyone is so adamant that it won't work, that's when it usually does work in sports. So get ready for another Bucks championship. Well, I'd like to believe you, but this game seven record is bad. The amount of times he blows leads is bad. Now, is this a better team than he's had in a long time? You could say so. I still think like if you map this out and it, maybe it never happens. I was really hoping Joe Flacco would go back to Baltimore and get that. But Doc could face a playoff trio in some order of the Sixers, yeah. the Celtics, and then maybe the Clippers in the hmm. finals. So this could all be setting up for, like, we think we're watching a season and whatever. No, no, no. We're just watching the Doc Rivers, like, uh, revenge tour. I got 30 seconds left. Just tell me who you have advancing to the Super Bowl. I feel like the Niners knew they escaped one, and I want to take the Lions, but I think the Niners get there. And I really think the Chiefs like playing on the road. We've motivated them. But I'm going to go chalk and still go Ravens. Ravens have been my pick. I like Lamar to win it all. He is Bart Winkler. You can listen to him tonight on many of these same CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, and the free Odyssey app, The Bart Winkler Show, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on CBS Sports Radio, the first edition of Winkler Wednesdays, as he'll join us on most Wednesdays right here on CBS Sports Radio at 4.40 p.m. Eastern. Bart, thank you, my friend. Most Wednesdays. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, you keep my guys keep on giving you ideas. I may get rid of uh, Bart Winkler. We'll, we'll go to uh, JR Sport Brief Wednesdays here on CBS Sports Radio. Amy Lawrence Wednesdays here on CBS Sports Radio. We'll see how long we can put up with Bart before we end up uh, looking at maybe some of the other people that are on the roster here at CBS Sports Radio. Drew Tranquil still to come for the Kansas City Chiefs 25 minutes from now. But when we return, the future of Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson. Some predictions are already being made.